This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join me in our call to worship. Before God made you, God knew about our smiles and laughter. God knew about our imagination and dreams. Before God formed each part of you, God knew about our wiggles and squirms. God knew about our attentive ears and watchful eyes. Before you grew to who you are today, God knew we would be playful and eagerly helpful. God knew we would one day dance, run, or fly. Before God made you, God knew the world needed someone exactly like you. knowing that God is big enough for it all, let us together confess our sin. Loving God, at the beginning of each week, our hearts are centered by you through worship and praise. We hear about your compassion, your image, and even your humor. We hear about your language of love and acceptance, and we hear about who you call into your midst, and how you wish for us to treat them. So often we see these qualities seemingly simple in the acts of children. They laugh and play. They love and accept with little judgment. We so often forget those actions taught to us years ago. 
we so often struggle to hear your words of love without any questions or doubts. We so often resist keeping a childlike mind. When we forget what it's like to live out your language of love and acceptance, may we center our hearts and reflect back to a time when it was a bit easier. hear these words that are trustworthy and true. Whatever you have done, whatever you have failed to do, whoever you are, whoever you may one day still become, you are welcome, you are accepted, you are forgiven, you are loved forever by the very creator of the world. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can ever change that. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
Friends, the good news of the forgiveness we receive in Christ and the good news of everything these commandments can offer to us and to the world, it is far too good to keep it to ourselves. So please offer some sign of Christ's peace with one another now. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Welcome once again to this service of worship on this Lord's Day. It's always good to hear the fellowship when we share Christ's peace. One advantage of the summer is we can let that go on just a little bit longer so everyone can catch up with one another. Whether it is your first time among us or whether you have been a member longer than you can remember, we're glad that you're here today. Your presence among us, each and every one of you, makes us better. It's our hope that everyone who comes through these doors, whether it is every week or some of you five and six times a week, or whether it's only occasionally, our hope and our prayer is that you are changed in some way each time you do that, that you are challenged or comforted or otherwise encouraged in your walk with Jesus Christ. I have a few announcements to share with you all. As I'm doing that, if you are seated near the ends of the pews and have access to those pew pads, if you would sign your name and pass them down and back again. Take a look as it makes its way back, and if there's someone near you that you are not uh, familiar with yet, I invite you to change that before you leave today. September 8th is a big day in which we are trying to do as much as humanly possible, I think. It is the day that we return to two worship services at 9 and 11 a.m. 
We have our blessing of the backpacks at both services, and because last year some of the adults said, well, I wanted my bag blessed too, um, it's blessing of the backpacks and briefcases and whatever else you wish to bring to have blessed. Um, we will not deny you the blessing of your bag. Adult education starts up that day with a study of the Gospel of Luke with Beverly Bartlett that will take place between services. And finally, after the 1115 service, um, so around 1245, we'll gather in Central Park for our um, second annual congregational picnic. There's information about all of that in your bulletin. Um, if you can RSVP, it's helpful. If you forget to RSVP, come anyways. Also, there's information about baptism and confirmation, as those are, uh, we have some baptisms being scheduled. Confirmation begins in October for our eighth and ninth graders. If you would like to receive more information about that, please let us know. Uh, registration for Kids Club, our Wednesday afternoon program, will be coming to you in the next couple of weeks. So please keep an eye out for that. Just a few more details, but they're all important, so stay with me. Children's worship will uh, resume on September 8th. That is the portion of our service where our youngest worshipers up through second grade um, will go off to the Phillips Lounge and have a bit of a service on their own and then return to our space uh, before the service concludes. Our overnight shelter has been on a short hiatus and that will reopen in mid-September. And finally, we are very fortunate to have a wonderful guest organist with us today, Colin McKnight. Colin is a doctoral fellow at Juilliard and the associate organist and choir master at Cathedral of the Incarnation in Garden City, Long Island. Colin, you're hiding back there, but we're delighted that you're here and grateful for the gifts you are sharing with us. Friends, let us continue worshiping God as we turn our hearts and our minds to scripture. Loving God, you reveal light and hope, truth and grace. May your words shower us with all that we need to hear to settle our hearts and calm our minds. In your name we pray, amen. Our first reading today is from Jeremiah, chapter 1, starting at the fourth verse. Listen as Jeremiah receives his call from God. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ha, ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. 
See, today I appoint you over nations and, king and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. our young people to come join me here at the font. Hi, William and Abigail. I'm so glad you're here. I have a question for you. Do you have a job? No? You don't get up and go to work in the morning like your mom and dad? No? How about at home? Do you have jobs that you do at home? Chores. Chores, yeah. What are some of your chores you do? Um, take out the trash and go get the mail. Take out the trash and get the mail? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you ever have to like pick up your toys? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about other things that we do? We help out. What are some other things we can do to help out? at the dinner table. That's right. You know what? Another thing that we do, if, if you have, do you have any pets? Do you have a dog or cat? No. Sometimes children who have dogs and cats help take care of them, help feed them. Lots of things that we do, right? Even if we don't get up and go to work every day like the grown-ups do. We just heard a story that Mr. Carlton read for us about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. That means that Jeremiah spoke God's words to the people. It's a very big job. How old do you think he was when God said, Jeremiah, you're going to be my prophet and speak to the nations. 
How old do you think he was? Around five, that would really be young, wouldn't it? I would be pretty scared if God said that to me when I was five. He might have been a little bit older than that. You know what? I would be scared if God said that to me now, because that's a really big job. Jeremiah was probably older than five, but he wasn't very old. God said, Jeremiah, I am appointing you a prophet to the nations. And he said, but God, I can't do that. I don't know how to speak to people. I'm just a boy. So we know he wasn't a grown-up yet, and God was giving him a huge job to do. Do you think what do you think God said, Oh, I forgot you're not a grown-up yet. Oh, okay, I'll find someone else. Did God say that? No. God said, You can do it. Don't tell me you're just a boy. You'll go where I tell you to go, and I'm going to give you the words to say, and I am going to be with you the whole time. So God doesn't ask a lot of us, whether we're children or grown-ups, to do the big, big job that Jeremiah did. But God asks every single one of us, no matter how young or old we are, to follow God and do God's work, right? We all have God's work to do, and we are all able to do that important work. What does God ask us to do? Love people, be kind, help. That is God's most important work, and all of us can do it. And you know what? Sometimes children do a better job of that than grown-ups. Let's pray together. Say after me, thank you, God. For loving children and grown-ups, for loving children and grown-ups, and for giving all of us, and for giving all of us your important work to do, your important work to do. Help us to love, help us to love, and be kind, and be kind, and be helpers, and be helpers. Amen. Thank you. You can go. Our second reading today comes from Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 18. You have not drawn near to something that can be touched, a blazing fire, darkness, gloom, a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have drawn near to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. See that you do not refuse the one who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns from heaven? 
At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken, that it is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks by offering to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our final reading today comes from Matthew chapter 18, 1 through 5. Listen to the word of God. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is something you should know about me. I am dramatically afraid of snakes. And so even though I love the mountains and nature and open sceneries, they are my life and my childhood, I have found still that I often live in places where I know there is a limited possibility of me seeing a snake. Why do you think I live in New York City right now? So when I lived in the capital city of Lusaka, Zambia, teaching fifth and sixth graders, I thought, there's no way, it's too crowded, not uh no snakes here. My students, they had full confidence in me. I learned about their home life, and they learned about my home life. I, learned, I taught them English, and they taught me Chinyanja. I learned about their fears, and yes, they learned about my fears. You see where this is going. So they trusted me. We had built a relationship. I was the adult, the teacher, the one in charge, the one who cared for them and thought they could fly to the moon. And so one hot, muggy morning in our run-down, ragged school room, where it was not unheard of to have critters like giant or giant bugs, and I mean giant millipedes, on the wall outside our window. A mischievous student, who was the class clown, points to the wall through the window window, and yells at the top of his voice, Snake! I'm not proud of this, and I'm even embarrassed to tell you all about it, and believe me, It's all true. I was the first person out the door. I should have been the second person, but no, in my extraordinary strength, when I'm scared out of my wits, I lifted a student up and moved them to a side so that I was the first out the door. I was the adult. 
the teacher, the one who cared for them, and I made sure I was not going to be left in that room with that snake, no way, no how. Well, it was pure chaos after that. I've never seen my students move so quickly through the door, and they relentlessly joked with me afterwards, saying, I left them with the snake when I was the responsible adult, the teacher. I left them there to fend for themselves, to fight it off. Well, funny enough, good people of Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church, there was no snake, ever. It was all a joke, and they just wanted to see how I would react. And I reacted badly, hilariously, some might say, but I say irresponsibly. And so just when you think you know a person, they might surprise you. When you think you trust your people, your students, and then they call snake on you, or when they think that they trust me, and that I should do anything in the world for them, and then leave them with a snake. When you think you know a person, and then they up and surprise you, it can be goofy, like this story, or it can be an absolute shock to the system. I imagine this is how the disciples fell after they asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They must have been shocked by Jesus' answer. Maybe they were expecting praise for their actions, for they have given up their life, their livelihood, their comfort, their safety to follow Christ. They have made so many sacrifices for this new idea of entering a kingdom, following a savior, and following a new king. Maybe they thought Jesus would say, good men and women, you are the greatest. Or maybe we should give the disciples a bit more credit here. Maybe they thought Jesus would say, the greatest are the poor, the crippled, the Gentiles, all those who follow me. But Jesus doesn't say this. To their much surprise and maybe displeasure, Jesus not only tells them, but physically shows them by lifting a child up and placing that child in the midst of their group. Jesus has met so many people on his ministry. He has called disciples, healed the sick, conversed with the poor, loved sinners, acknowledged women, welcomed the Gentiles, even touched the unclean. However, as one theologian writes, at no point does Jesus choose one of these as a sign of the kingdom of heaven by placing them in the midst of the disciples. Instead, Jesus lifts up and moves to the midst a wiggly, playful, curious, naive, lovable, lowest of the low and status during that time, child. It's hard for us to imagine how lowly a child was in the eyes of the Greco-Roman culture, since most of our children today are thankfully placed at the center of our families. We will go to great lengths to make sure our children are well-educated and well-taken care of. We make sure they are loved and safe and well-fed. Thanks be to God. I wish that for every child, and I know it's not true everywhere for, or for everyone, just like the children in the Greco-Roman world. They were considered, considered the least in social status, insignificant to the point of invisibility. 
They were often at risk and quite vulnerable to the diseases and hard labor of the day. I believe the Greco-Roman parents loved their children, but I also think there were obstacles left and right that children were naturally overlooked and held a short childhood, which might be why we hardly know the names of children in the New Testament. We know a few here and there, but mostly we don't hear much about children. No wonder Jesus' birth was so spectacular and why when Jesus placed a child in the midst of them, it may have been inconceivable. Jesus has turned the earthly hierarchy and social status on its head, revealing a new social status existing within the kingdom of heaven. This radical kingdom that Jesus talks about throughout the Gospel of Matthew is now completely upside down. Jesus is asking the disciples to acknowledge the unthinkable by placing a child among them and ahead of them in the kingdom. And Jesus continues to turn it inside out and backwards, saying, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. The kingdom that Jesus is referring to is not for the powerful and even the most pious, but for the humbled, the curious-minded, the one who can be placed in an empty room and still imagine a magical forest. The kingdom is for the one who loves even before they know what love truly means. Now, I don't think this passage means to diminish our adult faith or revert back to our childhood because for some of us, our childhood may not have been easy. But we often find it's easier to make room in our hearts for something we love. And I believe we are to make room in our hearts for something different, something that comes with imagination and endless love, something we can grasp onto because we once knew it. Maybe it's a different language now, and we just need a little refresher, just a small hint of it. A language that belongs to God and carries a playful tone. A type of communication that has laughter and happiness, fun and pure joy. A dialect that forgives easily and welcomes an unknown friend. A heart that feels deeply and may cry when things don't go as planned. A mind that asks curious questions and speaks aloud the obvious answers that others are too afraid to say. And so the wonderful, wonderful thing about this passage is that we don't have to get rid of our existing adult faith or intellectual knowledge. We only need to make room in our hearts for a language we once loved that has merely gone away. Maybe we had to grow up too fast and take care of family members long before we should have, and so we lost our language of play. Maybe someone took away our imaginary friend or hurt us so deeply we had no choice but to mature and lose our belly laugh. Maybe the reality of this world hit us hard in some specific way that we lost our sense of humor. I know I remember almost exactly when my childhood went out one window and the responsibilities flew in another, when I had to pick myself up and then grow up because a friend needed me more than ever. 
It would be so nice to find that language of little ones all over again and merge our adulthood and child's carefree nature together. There's got to be a child still in us somewhere. In the film Saving Mr. Banks, P.L. Travers, the author of our beloved Mary Poppins, resisted signing over her stories to Walt Disney for 18 years. When her finances were running low, she had no other choice but to give Disney a chance at producing her family and ink into more of a reality on the big screen. Travers was not afraid to express her opinions, but she was afraid of handing over Mary Poppins, who got her through her childhood and adulthood. She had strict guidelines for the writers before she signed any papers, and some of her restrictions included no music, nor the color red or ridiculous words like responsible, and absolutely, positively, no cartoons. Travers tells Disney with gut passion, I won't let Mary Poppins turn into one of your cartoons. Disney replies, says the woman who sent a flying nanny with a talking umbrella to save the children. Travers pauses, looks down and then back up at Disney and with sadness in her voice, she says, you think Mary Poppins has come to save the children? Oh dear. It took Disney quite a while to discover that Mary Poppins was not there to save the children, but to save Mr. Banks, the father, to help him add some play and silliness to his serious bank life, to encourage attentiveness to his children and laughter to his stern voice. Mary Poppins was there to help the adults who had lost their imagination and creativity and to connect them with their children and with their childhood language. Walt Disney should have caught on to this quicker, seeing how he quoted earlier in the film, there's no greater joy than that seen through the eyes of a child, and there's a little bit of a child in all of us. There certainly is a spirit of a child right down in you. And if you are made in God's image, then children as children are also God's image. They are God's language, as one theologian writes, in and through which God reveals God's true nature and therefore the nature of God's kingdom. Children are God's language by virtue of being children. God is not bound to only one language of sophisticated theological words, but through words and actions of children as well. As Jesus tells the disciples, children convey the kingdom of heaven most easily and most naturally. And so we encounter God when we welcome children into our midst at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. And when we encounter children, we welcome God into our midst. God is in each child's face that walk through those doors, and we are called as covenant people to embrace our baptismal vows to raise and nurture, to love and to care for, to play and be ridiculously silly at kids' club or children's worship or in fellowship hour. We know God loves them. It's right there in Scripture. And it's most unlike Jesus to only use that child as a metaphor or a sign in our passage today. Every person Jesus met 
He was genuinely interested and concerned for their well-being. Jesus was motivated by love and compassion and individual concern, and so because we know this, it's our responsibility to teach it to our children at this church. We teach our children about God so that when they grow in this broken world, they shine light into darkness and value all people just as God has meant it to be. By embracing our baptismal vows, our children learn what, that they are loved by God and by this church. And well, frankly, it cannot be done without you because we are covenant and communal people. It takes a village. You never know what influences you might have on a child. And by simply welcoming children into our midst, into this congregation, into every major fellowship moment we do here, we are already giving a beautiful message and influencing their lives. And I can promise you that when you welcome children into our midst, you welcome God. And when you welcome God into our midst, you welcome children. For when one of our beloved children here was asked, what color are God's eyes, that child responded with, well, they have to be rainbow because God loves everyone. May we always welcome that imagination through those front doors and the doors of our own hearts. Amen.
attending as you are able, and let us together confess the faith of the Church using the words of the Nicene Creed as you find it printed in your bulletins. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. Let us now join our hearts in prayer. God of grace, we come to you in prayer because we know you hear your people's cries and have promised to be with us in all things. We come with gratitude for the gift of life, the gifts of this earth, and all that gives our lives meaning. We come with sadness for what is lost, with yearning for what might be, with supplications and intercessions for ourselves, those we love, our nation, and this world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Our times are troubled, Lord God, and it can be hard to see the way forward. We are deeply divided, and many live with fear and anxiety. On this weekend and in this year, when we mark the 400th anniversary of the arrival of enslaved African people on these shores, we pray for forgiveness for the legacy of slavery and for the way racism has shaped our country and society. Give us the wisdom and courage to change this and to end every form of oppression. We pray for wisdom for ourselves and for our elected and appointed leaders at every level of government. We pray for the courage to speak out for what is right and just and to act with compassion, loving others as you would have us love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who are struggling under the weight of poverty, for those who are homeless and hungry, for those in prison and their families, for children and adults held in detention centers, and for those whose homelands are battlegrounds. Sustain them, give them hope, and help us to share the resources we have that all may know the fullness of life. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As the rainforests burn and are logged, as the ice melts, as cities run out of water and countries endure unprecedented heat, give us the will and the courage to care for this earth, our home, to be faithful stewards of your beloved creation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are sick, those who are struggling with mental or emotional disease, those who are facing or recovering from surgery or hospital stays. Remembering this morning Francois Silachom, Maggie Mills, Rose Dotson, and Luis Rodriguez. Heal them, strengthen them, give them patience and hope. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be with those who have recently lost one they love, the family and friends of Sonia Fox, Debbie Kirkham, and others we name in the silence of our hearts. May they know your peace that passes understanding, find comfort in the support and presence of others, and know the sure hope of the resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayers, O God, and renew us by your spirit that we may live as your faithful people in gratitude and hope, serving others as Christ served us. In his name we pray. Amen. In gratitude for all that God has showered upon us, let us bring our gifts and offerings.
seated. This is Christ's table, where all are welcome. In this meal, Christ offers us true hospitality, breaking down the walls that divide us and keep us apart, giving of himself and making us one, one with Christ and one with each other. So come to this table, whether you have been here often or not in a while, whether you have seen many years or only a few, whether you belong to this church or another church or no church, you are welcome. Christ invites you to meet him here, so come, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise, O God. It is right and it is our joy. For you and your Son Jesus are always speaking truth into our lives. I am the way and the truth and the life, he said. Come to me, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Let the little children come to me, he said. Do not be afraid. I am with you always to the end of the age. For all of this and more, we praise you, joining our voices with the angels and archangels, all who have gone before us in every time and every place, forever singing to the glory of your name. God, creation itself began with your word. Let there be light, you said, and this world burst into being, a blessed mix of dust and dirt, water and wind, plants and animals, every bit of it infused with your love. It was only a matter of time before we took the good you gave us and altered it with our faults and frailties. Thankfully, your faithfulness is so much stronger than ours. And so every time we pushed your ways and your word aside, you returned to gather us up in your arms once again. You sent your son, Jesus, to help us and heal us, to show us the way and save us. 
And when this world did its worst and killed him, you raised him from the dead, proving once and for all that you are stronger than anything and everything, and that not even death can pull us from your love. Remembering this, the story that has brought us to this place and the promise that leads us forward, we take this bread and this cup and we come to it with joy. For this bread is more than bread, it is body, it is life. And this cup is more than a cup, it is covenant, it is love. So we pray, O oh God, that you would accept what we have to offer, our humble thanks and praise, as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Gracious God, pour your spirit upon us and upon these gifts. For everything on this table and everyone who gathers around it is ordinary. But through this sacramental act, you make it and you make us extraordinary. That is who you are and that is what you do. And so we pray that you will do it once again, transforming all who gather this day into everything you made us to be, capable of doing the work you dream for us to do. Trusting that you will do all of this and even more, we pray the way Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So friends, remember the story with me. How on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus, he gathered his friends around him. And at the time, that included the one who would go on to betray him. He gathered them all together, and he took bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it. And he shared it with them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it is given for you. And he said, Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it as my remembrance. The Apostle Paul tells us that every time we eat this bread and share this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are holy things to make us holy, the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
Let us pray. Gracious God, in this bread and cup, you have nourished us with your presence, and now you send us out into the world to be the body of Christ. As Christ has welcomed us, may we welcome others. As we welcome others, may we know we welcome Christ in the stranger's guise. Amen.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May your imagination soar and your belly laugh. May your heart leap and your soul sing, and may you find rest and always know that God loves you. Amen.